Hello and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Localization, the show where we talk about the latest from the world of localization, uh, whether that is news, research or events. Uh, I'm your usual host, Sarah Hickey, even though that will change today. <laughs> I have with me a very special guest, uh, one of my favorite colleagues, Gabriel Kandyshovsky, our chief operating officer, um, who's actually um, here to kind of fill in for me today. Um, because um, well, while I was out on vacation the last few weeks, living life a little bit in Italy, um, enjoying the beautiful Italian lifestyle, um, the NIMSI Interpreting Index came out, uh, which is uh, one of the reports that we publish that I usually produce because I'm the um, resident interpreting expert. And, you know, usually I invite my colleagues um, to come along to the show and I interview them or other guests as well about what they do. But since I'm the creator of this here, um, I can't really interview myself and I didn't want to just talk by myself. So instead, I invited Gabriel to um, ask me all of the questions that he wants about interpreting. Yeah, we're, flip we're flipping the tables on you, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? You're on vacation, living the life and, you know, you, you publish stuff. How does that happen? How does yeah. that magic happen? Well, it happens because um, I'm a um, freak uh, when it comes to planning and I love stuff like that, <laughs> that I can yeah. get all my work done and go on vacation. And basically the work continues in the background. So, yep. yeah, exactly. I'm the stereo stereotypical German that way. <laughs> Yeah, replying to your emails during vacation. That's that's very, very German in, in I, essence. I actually did not the same. Um, I think that's true. actually more American than German. Very true. <laughs> but... All right. Well, without further ado, now you're taking the backseat and you'll be asked some questions, sir. So we're here because we want to talk about the interpreting index. Uh, it, remind me again, why are uh, we talking about interpreting at all? <laughs> um, you mean in, in general at NIMSI or just at this time? At this time, let's start with that. Okay. Let's make, keep okay. Well, uh, at this time, because it was high time that we do an update to our interpreting index, uh, we did it for the first time two years ago. Um, I think no one had, in, at least in the industry, had done like a proper, proper um, update uh, to, or like a market sizing and market report about uh, that was specifically for interpreting because interpreting is usually, I mean, it's not fully ignored, but it's definitely not given as much attention as uh, the translation side and other services in the localization industry. Uh, that being said, uh, a lot has happened over the last two years, especially the last year and a half. Uh, yes, we've had the pandemic and that came with all sorts of challenges. But for the interpreting world, well, there were also a lot of challenges, but interpreting has become more like um, prominent, I want to say. A lot more people are talking about interpreting. We are getting a lot more requests um, about for consultations uh, for interpreting, especially with the absolute boom we've seen in remote interpreting um, that was, of course, fueled by the pandemic. So it's really a great time to talk about what has happened in the interpreting field. Um, yeah, over the last two years, and especially the last year, just to see where we're at. Um, I should see in the comments there, uh, Tucker, I was out of office and I will be again next week on medical leave. But right now I'm still here. So Gabe and I are seizing the day to have a private conversation 
in a very public space. <laughs> so, and uh, Stefan, yeah, um, it's true. Most people, I think, in our industry do work on vacation. <laughs> but um, that is definitely, I think, less common uh, in, in Germany than in the U.S., But uh, I'm a very Americanized German, I think. So I do tend, usually tend to work on vacation. Um, but I didn't this time. <laughs> Great. In, enough talk about vacation. Let's get back to okay. interpreting here. So what's your take? I'm curious here. I want to dig a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. You're saying that it's very topical to be talking to about interpreting, right? It's uh, the events and whatnot. But I, I'm curious about your opinion. Uh, is it just purely because, you know, circumstance has it that the events have come up or is it also the contribution of the wider public or 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 people or influencers talking about why interpreting is important is it you know is it are we just passively assisting to it or is there a change in how people talk about interpreting what's your take on that well i think um something that i will also point out in the full analysis and report um that is yet to be published for the interpreting index is that i think there's um that interpreting has become more mainstream if we can call it that so previously i don't know what it was like for others but for me when i talk to friends and family about interpreting most people didn't really know what that was or if they did they associated mostly with um you know people that walk alongside politicians and diplomats kind of, or sit in the EU and the parliament, um, you know, interpreting at the big conferences. And of course, that's one part of it. But especially over the last year with the whole um, boom that we've seen and the general video conferencing platforms like Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Google Meet and WebEx and all of them, Mm -hmm. um, I think this is one reason why interpreting has moved more to the forefront. So just because the the general public has started to utilize this whole video conferencing idea uh, a lot more because they also had to, right? I said multiple times at this stage, I think that even my mother who was not involved in the side of... Uh, of the world at all. Even she had to um, do some of her classes. She's a teacher uh, on Zoom with her students. Um, so, you know, it has really moved into all areas of life. And that has also opened the door um, to people kind of exploring what opportunities they have, what else can they do, you know, especially also with the area of, um, with this whole uh, Zoom fatigue phenomenon. I think this really um, <clears throat> helped multilingual meetings as well. Because like, how do you make a meeting more engaging? This is something I think that uh, event organizers were looking for and maybe even people that just hold regular business meetings. Um, so I think there's two sides to it. On the one hand, there's the element of necessity. You know, when is it really needed that you have an interpreter because people really don't share a language? And when can interpreting also, I think it can also sometimes add a little bit to the wow factor and keep people more engaged. On the one hand, because mm. it's more interesting, but also, of course, people can actually engage a lot more in a meeting if they can also speak in their own language because often you do still have this um this bias otherwise you know that everyone can kind of listen and follow along but only really the english native speakers are the ones that are very very fluent can contribute to the actual debate yeah because for mm. the others it might not be as easy or they're a little bit too shy to voice their opinion and and they can't fully express themselves so i feel like this whole overall boom of the video conferencing opened the door um, for more, especially remote simultaneous interpreting. And that was even within the interpreting field beforehand, a real niche area, 
Yeah, so even in remote interpreting, you mostly had uh, over the phone interpreting that is probably the most established. And that's followed by video remote interpreting, which is the, also consecutive interpreting. Uh, but remote simultaneous interpreting, uh, it of course already existed, but it basically comes from the field of conference interpreting, which is also more niche. So it was a lot more niche. And especially in that area, we've seen so much development now, like new platforms, new features, integrations with big platforms, and then also so much investment from outside the industry. Um, and also just new applications, like there's been requests for RSI for parent-teacher conferences. Um, or for uh, from esports companies <laughs> that wanted to add RSI to their virtual events, and so this is really something that we we have at NIMSI have said for a while uh, will happen with remote interpreting is that it will expand the market and yeah? that it will open the door to new users of interpreting, really bring it to places where people have never used interpreting before, where they never thought of using it before. And really, the pandemic accelerated that heavily. There is a lot to unpack here. It, it does seem like it was the perfect storm of events mm -hmm. in a way. But at the same time, like uh, something we like to say a lot here is that the march of technology is inexorable and it, technology just marches on. So there's new developments. And it sounds like interpreting has been a field where at the forefront of those of those advancements really but there's also the the element that i'm hearing here of accessibility in a way as well i think it, that that is something that is very much on people's lips these days and we're talking broadly about language services as being one of the foundations of of making products or services accessible mm -hmm. so there's there's that side of it what is what allows or you know, sort of Interpreting is the textbook definition of accessibility, almost, you know, or synonym almost to, to that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that also is like thankfully becoming uh, a bigger theme uh, in our industry and globally, um, uh, making content available and making meetings accessible to everyone. Uh, whether that's people that are visually impaired or that are hearing impaired. Um, so, and this also brings me to um, to another trend I've seen. So that, um, of course, once the pandemic hit, at that time, basically, most of the interpreting assignments were on-site. There's been remote interpreting, and especially in the United States and some other markets as well, uh, a few remote um, options were quite established depending on what field you were in but still if you looked at the overall market it was maybe 80 20 so with like 20 being for remote but then more or less overnight that all changed and on-site interpreting pretty much went down to zero more or less anyway and so everyone had to try remote interpreting whether they wanted mm -hmm. to or not mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but a few lsps uh, that i talked to sorry, uh, language service providers i talked to they said that not all of their previous on-site requests uh, pivoted to remote interpreting. Of course, a lot of them did, but uh, they also received uh, requests for what I would call like adjacent services in this regard now. So they said, for example, some of the interpreting demand uh, pivoted to clients requesting more document translations for their uh, conferences or others wanted um, closed captions or others wanted subtitles, you know, but like depending on the needs of the client. Um, again, this is also to do, I think, with accessibility, like you already said. Mm -hmm. 
And for me, um, having watched the market uh, for a while now, I feel like there's a real big, um, there's a real need for what I would maybe call like, like a multilingual meeting provider. If we need mm -hmm. a new word, <laughs> you know, so because an MMP, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just um, coined the term. <laughs> um, because so far we always or we tend to think of okay there's interpreting services then there is uh there's services that come from the media localization field you know like subtitling dubbing um captioning all the different types but i feel like especially with all the um, virtual meetings or the virtual events uh some of these sides of the market are starting to merge more and more and i think there is really a, a need for a provider or providers to, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you could become like a, just the specialist in uh, multilingual meetings. And I know there's people, uh, mm -hmm. companies that already say that that is what they do. And to a certain extent, that is what they do. But uh, I think it's not, it's even not taking it far enough to really cash in on this new trend. I think companies could do a better job at combining this you know we a trend sorry this is all coming to me now because i'm just writing the <laughs> index as well um uh, that we identified in the nimsy 100 already is that you know the needs of the the buyers the clients are changing this is something that you talk about a lot as well because you do a lot of buyer mm -hmm. research um and they're becoming more complex. People want kind of that one-stop solution. And also that a lot of LSPs, they don't just offer language services. They also other, uh, offer other services. And this whole idea of um, really adapting your services to your clients and um, looking at how the market is changing and what end users want. For a long time, we've said, well, okay, people might not like remote interpreting, but the market will decide. If people want it and buy it, then this is how it's going to go, you know? And same as with this now, I think there's a real need for this, like a multilingual meeting provider that can give clients the option um, or provide several things at once, you know? Interpreting um, via humans, maybe interpreting via machines also, there's progress being made. Then mm -hmm. maybe captions or subtitles, document translations. I don't know, but whatever you need to make your multilingual a meeting or event a success, and it shouldn't just be oh I do interpreting and I do this and you know I do humans I do machines. I think in the end someone will emerge um, that can do all of those things, and you're already seeing mm -hmm. this trend. Um, also with a lot of companies trying to merge with the big video conferencing platforms like Zoom mm -hmm. and Teams. Mm -hmm. Because they're already the event uh, giants, you know. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so let's address the zoom in the room here. Ooh, I did <laughs> oh, that, didn't I? Very that, nice. That yeah. totally wasn't planned. So <laughs> I, I, I remember this from something you wrote a couple of months ago for the Language Technology Atlas that we published in MZ. Uh, you know, shameless plug for a different publication. <laughs> um, that Zoom is kind of sort of becoming a player in this industry. And and Anna Royer here is commenting that mm -hmm. in my humble experience, well. the clients have been asking for simultaneous interpreting over VRA more and more. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. reluctant to introduce special platforms and simply rely on Zoom. So here's a question mm. for you. And now you, you mentioned the, the, the notion or the concept of the multilingual meeting provider. Was that? Yeah, I think I got that right. <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't isn't Zoom gonna spoil everyone's party sooner or later with this? 
what, what do you think? Are they positioned to make more noise than they are already doing? Uh, possibly. They would be uh, honestly in an excellent position to either do that or partner with someone who can facilitate that. The only thing I would say there is, um, so also I completely agree with what Anna is saying. Um, this is exactly the same trend I'm seeing as well. And I mean, on the one hand, it surprised me at first. On the other hand, it doesn't because, of course, simultaneous um, is super nice. You know, it's a, it's a great, uh, like, I want to say feature to add to your meeting. I know feature is the right word now. But, you know, of course, it's great if you can have it at the same time rather than having to wait and pause your meeting. So it makes mm -hmm. sense from that standpoint. Um, and, yeah, lots and lots of people... Uh, just want to use Zoom because I mean, and I can understand it to be honest. If you're like, if it was me as well, you know, we're all creatures of habit and we like to work with what we know. I don't want to learn about yet another platform, create another password, train all my people on it just for like possibly one meeting or, or two or mm -hmm. something, you know? Instead, I want to use what I know, which for a lot of people, for example, is Zoom. And then I want you. <laughs> you know, my interpreting provider to figure out how you can provide your services for me on that platform that I want to use. And that is exactly what has been happening and why um, in the tech atlas from uh, from us, from NIMSI, uh, we also write that right now Zoom is the de facto largest RSI platform, which is ironic in some way because it's not an RSI platform which addresses kind of the other uh, topic you, you brought up. Um, because so Zoom is predominantly focused on just being like an events and meeting platform, yeah? But a monolingual one. So multilingualism, even though they have this RSI feature, it's like a little add-on for them. It's not the company focus, yeah? So in mm -hmm. that sense, of course, platforms like the big RSI platforms like Kudo, Interprefy, Interaxio, Voicebox and them, there's loads, but those are some of the bigger names. Um, they are specialists in providing the superior experience for when it comes to multilingualism for the clients and for the interpreters. But, well, they're just simply not as popular as Zoom, you know, and <laughs> it works on Zoom. I've asked interpreting colleagues, mm -hmm. they say, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, of course, it was complex, but yeah, it works. Um, there have been a few studies done and lots and lots of interpreters do most of their remote work on Zoom these days. Uh, clients mm -hmm. seem to like it. And so what's been happening instead is then that the, um, the RSI platforms have found ways to integrate with Zoom. And initially, I actually, I was waiting for like, who's going to partner with Zoom? You know, who's going to be the official mm -hmm. partner? Someone's going to make it, you know? <laughs> But at this stage, I actually kind of think maybe we won't see this because why at this stage would Zoom partner with someone when already everyone else has done the work to integrate with them? You know, why spend more money on a partnership when A, this is not their focus and B, everyone is already forced to use their platform. And so it's like you figure it out. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I don't know. It could still happen. But at this stage, I feel like maybe it's not as realistic anymore. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and yeah, maybe Zoom will go bigger in uh, multilingualism and steal the show, but I doubt it. I think it might just be, be this like facilitator platform, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is very fascinating, I find. And, and who knows, like, if they decide tomorrow to conquer the interpreting market, you know, uh, good luck stopping them. It, it's kind of <laughs> reminiscent of a similar conversation happening on the translation management kind of tooling technology uh, side where of late, we, we've seen, uh, you know, the voices, uh, they are they are sort of small still, but the rumblings around um, tools such as Slack, which are changing the way people communicate, mm-hmm. but not just internally, but, you know, companies with their with their providers and tools such as Slack having inbuilt or uh, translation management functionality. And it, it, just for, you know, for the fun of it. So recently we've been talking to, to Zoom um, or no, sorry, not Zoom, but Slack. <laughs> and they mentioned that they developed their own processes built into Slack. Um, and I, I found that fascinating. If Slack wanted, they would probably destroy the TMS market <laughs> if, if they wanted to go that route. Um, so who knows the, what the future holds. But um, I, I feel there's something to as these, these, these platforms become so central to what these companies are doing, whether that's Zoom or Slack, uh, inevitably, you know, something's got to give. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to have the brilliant idea of, oh, okay, let's build this, you know, multilingual functionality in it, this, you know, translation management system in Slack. Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> we always said that, you know, this, uh, the boom in the, what we call VIT platform, so it stands for Virtual Interpreting Technology, it's not going to go on forever. At some point, some platforms will disappear and someone will emerge as the winner or a few companies. Yeah, Right now, we've seen more platforms popping up, actually, but I think that's more out of a, like almost like a little uh, panic that, oh, this is a trend now. We need to do this also. Yeah. Um, but I really like also what Anna and Stefan, um, so I keep saying Stefan like a German. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this properly. Um, Stefan is Belgian. I'm not, Stefan, if you're listening to us, I, I gotta say, I'm not, not sure how do you pronounce it in yeah, Belgium. So I'm just going to be German about it for once. I don't even pronounce my own name in German, which I should, but I'm going to call, uh, say Stefan <laughs> and Anna I have great points here because, um, yeah, first of all, Anna was saying that, uh, of course, Zoom is also a lot cheaper than most uh, RSI platforms or other mm-hmm. platforms. This is a very big point, I think. Um, and then also what Stefan is saying that they've made a lot of improvements over the last two years. Um, the RSI feature was very rudimentary from what I know. And I recently heard similar... Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I recently... Um, heard uh, similar um, reviews from interpreting colleagues saying it's actually pretty good or like, you know, it's Mm. actually very usable. So, um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, So I'm totally losing track here. I'm reading the comments, (laughs) losing my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, with them, with the big ones standing out, I mean, it's no surprise because... um, I don't know if I'm drawing the right connection here, but if you're looking, for example, at machine translation, you know, uh, Google is the big uh, tech giant. Everyone knows Google Translate. And even though, of course, even Google doesn't just use plainly Google Translate, and we all know that, it's still that the uh, the engine is what, most, what a lot of companies in our industry use uh, for their products again. So I'm wondering, even though it's not the same relationship, um, if this is still somewhat similar in the sense that, you know, we've seen the... RSI providers and other um, remote interpreting providers kind of trying to make the most of <laughs> the boom from the big platforms like Zoom and Microsoft and uh, 
you know, because you could see it as a threat. I think maybe initially companies did and tried to like argue against it. But really the smart thing, like the, you're not going to win against them. They're just too popular, you know? Um, so I think really mm. the smart thing is to try like to see how can I catch a ride on the same wave? And this is exactly why people have been, uh, companies have been looking um, towards finding the best integration that is, you know, the least um, work for everyone involved. Because in the beginning, um, people basically uh, um, had all these workarounds. And I've seen pictures of interpreting colleagues with uh, two screens, uh, a tablet or an iPad and an iPhone or a smartphone um, just to have like one um, conference on, on Zoom or something. Whereas mm -hmm. I think some of the new integrations, they remove a lot of this complexity and make it easier for everyone. So and that that is something that can really work then, I think. Yeah, yeah. On, on the road to even more accessibility, removing that, making it easy, right? Exactly. We're trying, trying to make it as easy as possible. Effortless as as is possible. a new uh, buzzword, no? Yeah, effortless. Yeah, we like that keyword. <laughs> um, it's it, it does sound like there there's a lot going on here. Uh, so uh, let's let's do something impromptu here, sort of marketizing on the spot. You know, let's uh, mm -hmm. let's help our audience kind of wrap their brains around this because it does sound like an awful lot of money being thrown around here in this in this space. What's the what's the size of the market like uh, compared to like the the big big brother translation here. <laughs> like, well the big yeah. brother would be all of language services i think in this case because i only have those two um so for the whole um in the nimsy 100 we estimate the whole size of all language services in the last year at about uh, 57 billion us dollars mm -hmm. um the last time we did the interpreting index uh so two years ago in 2019 we said that the size of the global market was 7.6 billion us dollars and i actually just recently last week finished my new market sizing that is still well it's not fully confirmed yet un until i've run it by the big boss you know just being <laughs> honest here <laughs> um <laughs> no but my estimate for now um is that it's around 8.3 billion um i was very tempted to size it even higher to be honest because um when I look at the our ranking of the top um, providers here, yeah, this is our ranking. Really, all of pretty much all of the big ones grew a lot. Of course, mm -hmm. we all know that the big ones only make up a certain percentage of the market. They're like on the on the on the top. They're like the the piece of the iceberg that sticks out of the water, and then underneath is mm -hmm. like a whole lot more market. Yeah, with all the smaller companies and the one or two uh, person businesses. Um, but nonetheless, this is a big indicator as well, of course, and especially if a company like Language Line Solutions, they, they grew in the last year by uh, almost $90 million. So that is a lot, wow. you know, and okay. the other ones grew as well. We had like, I think, 14.4% growth between the last NIMSY 100, um, sorry, interpreting index and this one. But of course, that's also over two years, right? Because the index is not mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. every year. And so I tried to factor that in in my calculation and, um, that I do know that some of the smaller companies had losses in the last year as well and struggled from the switch with on-site and remote. So I'm absolutely confident that the market did still grow in the last year um, because of all the developments that, ha that happened, right? Ultimately, after a while, everyone did pivot to remote. Of course, there's lower margins, but also you have more meetings and, uh, you know, it's a bit of a different game. But I am convinced that the market grew uh, over the last two years. 
There is well, yeah, there there is money in this, and and it's been growing. That's for sure. So here's I'm, I'm going to test your memory here for a second. Oh, so okay, uh, we we it. spent a whole chunk of time talking about Zoom, and I feel like we're not talking enough about the actual interpreting service providers, mm -hmm. those, that, those that have it in their name. So when you compare the ranking from two years ago, and we had 33 companies there that time, we have 35 now. Mm -hmm. Who made the biggest leap? What, who's the, what are the companies that stand out? Mm. Like they jump the highest, you know? Oh man, yeah, that is totally putting me on the spot, man. Let me see who jumped the highest. Um... Or who made the most waves, you know, not in terms <laughs> of jump in the ranking, but let's say, you know, who acquired who? Um, well, um, actually one thing that stands out and that is almost a little <laughs> it's probably a little boring um but it is just the way it is the same uh, you know that this we basically have the same top three again language line mm. solutions they are so big they are so far ahead of everyone else i think they are bigger than the next nine companies after them together mm. yeah in terms of revenue so they are massive and they so they continue to be number one um mm -hmm. and they actually for them as well the pandemic kind of turned out really well because they already have well first of all they make 95 percent of their revenue from interpreting and most of that is remote interpreting they have their own hardware as well so they were very independent there and could really kind of cash in on that trend as well with more healthcare providers needing remote solutions even more than before you know mm -hmm. um similar for syracom from what i know and then here it looks like a new name, but it's really just uh, someone dressed in a different costume because um, so AMN Healthcare, that is a, um, a staffing health, uh, healthcare staffing company, uh, they acquired Stratus Video. Um, that was the number three in our last ranking as well. And so basically what we see here now with AMN Language Services is um, the rebranded Stratus Video. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we have the same top three. Um, I think the big word actually went down a little bit because they had a lot of uh, on-site interpreting. Um, but I know that since then now they have also um, added uh, more, increased their remote business. Um, so again, these figures are from the last financial year, not from this year. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, UpHealth as well. That used to be Cloudbreak. And I added Marty behind here because that's what they're, um, what they're known for as well when it comes to remote interpreting. That's their platform. Um, Global Talk in our last ranking, they were still uh, TVCN, the largest provider from the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. mm, what else do we have here? I really can't say off the top of my head who jumped the highest here, but um, I will find out and maybe I will put this as an yep. extra note in the we'll, report. This is actually we'll put that as an extra goodie into the report. Yeah, biggest, I think yeah, or achievers. One thing to, uh, that uh, I think is worth pointing out is last time we had the cutoff at about. 5 million I think it was slightly below 5 million whereas you can see this time it was more around 4 million uh, which kind of indicates like the big gap as well and like I think it's probably an indicator of the impact from the pandemic so you know on the top the providers grew a lot and at the bottom we had some more losses as well this isn't true for mm -hmm. everyone but there's definitely a little bit more of a of a gap even more than before so there is so I have another question for you for here, it. and that is looking at, at this ranking. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. it, it, there, there are names here of companies that you would normally associate with, uh, you know, localization services as opposed mm -hmm. to interpreting, and I'm making that distinction. Mm -hmm. So what is, 
what is easier than to sort of make your make a living on this market? Mm-hmm. Is it you're you being a specialist and you know growing that business, or your localization company, and then you're tacking on interpreting because this is the fashionable thing to do? Like, mm-hmm. how do What's your take on that? Like, what is the what what is a good way to go about this? If I'm a business owner of an mm-hmm. LSP, <laughs> well, um, I think overall, it's hard to say. But um, one thing I think that jumps off the page actually, and we have a little uh, one of the columns we have here. So here, uh, in this ranking, we don't list the overall revenue of the companies. Yeah, we just list mm-hmm. the interpreting revenue, which is hard to dissect for some companies. But um, I think we did a pretty good job. I'm praising myself now, but I did a very good job. <laughs> you did a pretty good job. <laughs> I'm excellent. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, we, we got a lot of um, the interpreting revenues confirmed is what I'm trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. And But I left a little note here as well. See the percentage of, of overall revenue. So how much... Uh, does the interpreting revenue contribute to the overall revenue of the company? What you can see is that technically, like with the big ones on our ranking here, they are pretty much specialists in interpreting, right? So language line solutions True. is 95. They are 95. I will address this one because it's misleading. <clears throat> um, these ones here, so lots and lots of them are at least in the top 10. A lot are um, more or less exclusively focused on interpreting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that does tell you something already. Um, um, yep. Whereas AMN language services, it says 5%, but the Stratus video that is hidden in there actually makes 99% of their revenue on interpreting. I only an- indicated it as 5% here because AMN, they belong to AMN Healthcare now. And that is a massive company, I think 2.7 billion or something. So within that, the revenue is small, but that is not their focus. So again, this is a little bit uh, misleading. I think they were acquired also because they were uh, one of the leaders in interpreting as well. Um, so I think that that's telling in itself. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, interpreting is definitely, I think, a field where it might take a little longer to make more money off it because um, it's a bit more, at least in the beginning, you have more manual involvement Yeah, with all the scheduling for interpreting. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more complex. You cannot have as much um, automation as for uh, as for translation. I think, of course, after mm-hmm. a while, when you become a bit more established and uh, you're probably like an oiled machine, like language line solutions, they have all their, um, you know, OPI business uh, and VRI business now in place for a long time. They have their own hardware. They have um, thousands of interpreters they work with, um, and then they can probably also automate a lot because then it's just probably a matter of. Um, and a lot of companies are starting to do that. You know, they have these. Um, IMS solutions, interpreter management and scheduling solutions, or um, where, you know, sometimes you can match the interpreter, exact, the right interpreter with the right request automatically. There's no manual intervention needed. But when you're starting out, I think um, there's a lot more manual work involved in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and overall, we know from looking at translation versus interpreting, we see a lot more large translation companies than interpreting companies. And that's also why, sorry, last comment on this question, I swear. Um, for example, I did not include uh, TransPerfect and LionBridge um, in the ranking because, um, well, assuming purely by their size that their interpreting revenue would be large enough, uh, I would personally not consider them um, 
like uh, leaders in interpreting of course because they are kind of companies that can do anything because they're so big uh, they also have interpreting services but that is not their focus and so that's why um, I only included them or will include them on the watch list that's not even in here yet um, so yeah so yeah, I probably over commented on the question there no you did very well and that's a very good uh, footnote <laughs> there that we're not listing the the trans perfects of the world because they in our terms they do not qualify and and we had no one else than tucker johnson asking us this question the other day so yeah <laughs> we have an explanation for everything here in the um all right so uh, really the last question here and and for those of you uh, watching this or listening um notes that the index that we published is the ranking there's a little bit of write-up around it so sarah did write up a, a, yeah great <laughs> uh, um so but the, the big bulk of the report is coming a little bit later this month or next one. So, uh, Sarah, with that being said, uh, give us some teasers. Like what is going to be in the report? Like what are the what are the big things you're talking about there that we haven't chatted about? Today. Um, yeah, good question. So I'm going to talk about some of the stuff we addressed today already. Um, some of basically, I wanted to take people a little bit through um, the journey of the last year and a half, especially since, you know, the last interpreting index was two years ago. And back then it was really a different landscape. Um, <clears throat> there's a very heavy focus on remote interpreting in this year's edition because, well, mm -hmm. it was just the talk of the town. It was the what has been happening mostly in the industry, right? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. um, um, I'm answering the question of, uh, is remote interpreting here to stay? Here to stay? And spoilers, uh, yes. And will it replace all instances of remote in, of on-site interpreting? Um, no, it won't. <laughs> and to answer the question of the why behind that, I wanted to take uh, people a little bit back and see how did it develop over the last year and a half uh, to kind of show why I think it's here to say and why uh, the future will be um, predominantly also a future that will have a lot of hybrid meetings, um, remote and on-site, of course, and then, yeah, I talk about the boom in with Zoom, of course, and interpreting becoming more mainstream. We also talk about the rise of um, interpreting in telehealth. Uh, again, this existed mm. before, but there's more happening there. And there's also integrations happening there with telehealth platforms. Uh, we talk about investment and M&A. Um, I talk about geographies, where are the companies located? Where is the money coming from? Who's the biggest player? Um, then I mentioned community interpreting as well and sign language interpreting, at least mm. briefly, um, both of those. Um, and kind of what drives interpreting as well. What are the main drivers behind all this? Uh, some of the legislative challenges, you know, we had the AB5 um, struggles in California with the AB5 law. Um, Brexit is, is having an influence. Um, man, I actually... I know I'm saying a lot. I was going to um, review everything today. And, and then there's lots and lots of talk about all the other growth, you know, like um, percentages and uh, market sizing and uh, all of that stuff. The, the usual, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, yeah. And also a little bit about some of the growing pains, I want to call it. So there's been a lot of there's been a lot of growth, but what have been the growing pains and how have people come out of it? You know, it was a big challenge. Like, I don't want to. Uh, hide that in talking about that I think we are coming out of this better than we went into it I firmly believe it 
But that is not to say that the last year and a half wasn't difficult for a lot of businesses as well. So, um, yeah, I highlight some of the growing pains there as well. Right. Well, it sounds like it's going to be one uh, a heck of a read, uh, you know, so prepare your coffee, sit tight. It's going to come later this month or between end of this month and start of next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, Sarah, thank you very much. We flipped the table here. You've done a great, a great job answering questions about your own work. Uh, so, you know, if that was going to be easy, no matter what. Uh, so what's your what's your parting comment here about, you know, whether the index or interpreting, what should hmm. the audience remember here? Well, I think something that I kind of just alluded to there as well, and that is that I, th- I really think we're coming out of this, like the, when I say we, I mean the interpreting industry all the sides of it uh, coming out of this stronger than we went into it Um, because yes it was very difficult like the sudden change you know going from just like a lot of on-site to suddenly going remote and it's not just that you know interpreters had to adjust the interpreting providers had to adjust but also the clients had to adjust yeah you can have the Mm -hmm. best remote interpreting solution but if your client isn't set up for it then it's no point you know so there was a lot of education and training needed like i said people added services they added platforms they added features they added integrations so the interpreting world has been incredibly busy in the last year and a half people have been just reshuffling everything internally and learning and developing but now that they've done all of this accomplished all of this clients have seen that this works, you know, fears have been removed, uh, new client requests are coming in, new meeting requests are coming in. This is really opening the door to a whole lot more opportunities um, and the interpreters and the companies are well more, way better prepared. And it's not like, you know, same as if you're looking at translation, uh, um, if like, or, you know, we looked into e-commerce and the traditional brick and mortar stores um, developing a web presence now. Well, they're not going to take it down again after the pandemic, you know, now mm. that they invested the money into it. Same as uh, with remote interpreting, now that it's more established and people people have added it, it's not going to you know, like go back. You know, the genie is out of the bottle. Like, it's here to stay. True. Of course, again, it will not replace all instances, but I think it will just come with so many more opportunities. Like, it's almost mm. like, nothing can hit us now and <laughs> i kind of don't want to jinx it that sounded like <laughs> no, <not laughs> we'll see. Yeah, exactly i'm not gonna <laughs> wood here so um <laughs> but, but you know what i mean it's just um mm. companies added adjacent services you know maybe someone will become that multilingual meeting provider as well um yeah that really was like uh and i, I don't usually like this comment with the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger but I think in this case, it's kind of true. You know, a lot of companies who are really yeah. struggling for survival, but uh, the majority came out of it. And you can even see it with all the rewards coming in with all the investment from outside. We just constantly get new requests for consultations about interpreting. Then we read about uh, new mergers and acquisitions and more investment mm. in interpreting, new platforms. Uh, and, like, it's yeah, just yeah, so in demand now. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, really so, believe so that. Mm. Um, yeah, and I really look forward to it. I'm actually excited to see what comes next <laughs> because I think there's a yeah. lot more exciting stuff to come. Okay, there's, it, it does sound like there's more work for us, so we'll take it yeah, for sure. <laughs> With that, Sarah, this was brilliant. Cue the outro music. And for our audience here, this was Sarah Hickey, and usually the host, this time the guest. Uh, I was grilling her this time. So, yeah, uh, stay tuned. Uh, follow us on all our social media and watch out for the full 
interpreting index, the ranking of the top interpreting providers in the market, uh, which is coming later this month. Um, we'll close this live stream and Sarah is going to get back on the draft. Uh, so, yeah, it's coming soon. Thank you so much, Gabe. I have no idea if the outro music is already too loud for what um, we are saying, but I'm trying it anyway. Um, yeah, this was really fun. Um, next week, I will be on medical leave, uh, but I will be thinking of all of you. <laughs> and I will be back the week after with uh, a new wonderful guest, maybe also with the same one. Who knows? Because Gabe is kind of my <laughs> new <laughs> stable guest. He's the num number one guest on the show. So thank you, Gabe. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. We had fun. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the next episode of the last two weeks in localization. We'll need to rename exactly. it at some point. That's it. Last month in localization. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. And thanks, everyone, Thank for the comments and for watching. Bye. Bye.